Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to Partida o Partida podcast, the English-speaking podcast about all things Atleti. Emmanuel, as usual, is with me. Um, how are you doing, Emmanuel? I'm not feeling great, but we move. Okay, I uh, hope you're feeling better soon. Um, so let's talking about Letty will we'll cheer you up. Uh, let's start with the uh, review of the athletic game uh, ended in a goalless draw. Uh, give us your thoughts about the game, please. Well, for the Athletic Club game, it is a game in which Athletic didn't do much to maybe deserve a win, but also didn't do was to deserve a defeat. It was a statement that I think a draw was a fair result in the game. And look, the, one of the positives from that game was the fact in which that the Triple Lorente connection came into play. And resulted in Aleti creating his first chance shot early on in the game when wide. So that is a positive from the game. And in that game, I think there were two ways in which Aleti Ocholo had plan for the team to make that connection to come to life because earlier in the season with Laurentiis swapping positions, playing at the right wing back, right back, we haven't really seen that connection. But in the first half against Athletic Club, we saw that happen. And that was thanks to Hermoso switches from the left to the right or Jose Maria. I think 
big team were very brilliant in trying to force that connection to come into play, giving Emoso switches the play when he was free. Or when he's pressed, he gives the ball to Josema. And since and Josema plays, I would say diagonal, but somewhat of it is guising pass to find Trippier. Then the other way was in the fact that when we don't have an because I'm sure everybody knows after watching Aliti last season that Aliti progressed more from the left hand side. So with Aliti club blocking Aliti's progression, kind of recycled the ball back to the right hand side, drawing pressure, and Aliti club pressed higher of the pitch and creating space for Lorente to run in behind. And Trippier was able to find him, and he played two passes under pressure. As the game evolved, Aliti club were wary of that because Aliti repeated that move and due to Laurenti's one-dimensional crossing, which was also helped by static players in the box. I think this is something I have been singing and singing on the podcast, the movement of the players in the box. I think with Griezmann now, we have someone to go to the near post. But with Griezmann running towards the near post, we have every other player standing at the edge of the box, which is not really great. So that one-dimensional crossing makes us to be in good crossing position, but not make the most out of it. I think that was the scene. That was that has been something in which I've been crying over and over. With Athletic Club focus on now on the right hand side, it means that Lodi, who played on the left hand side, had space and room. And thanks to Rodrigo De Paul and Condombia, they were able to switch play to that side. But Lodi was really poor in the game, given that he has space to run into, and either his first touch was too much. The defender was able to close him down, or he couldn't make the most of good crossing angles. He completed just one out of three crosses. Well, it is not somebody may say, Well, that's just one out of three, is not bad. The issue is that he had so many opportunities to put the ball in the back in the box, but he played the backward pass or his sideward pass, which take away that opportunity for Aliti to deliver a good cross into the ball. I mean, Griezmann in the box and Lorente arriving from Mishfi and also in the presence of Korea, we had three players in the box. But the service, his deliveries have been very poor, which has affected Aliti in recent games. So I think and in the second half also, I think Aliti really defended poor. I think Unamatye talked about the fact that we are seeing less fluidity and dynamism and intensity from Aliti, but now we are seeing the fact that Aliti is becoming more vulnerable. We have been talking about those individual mistakes and saying as the season goes on, they are going to adjust, but it was visible against Aliti Club, usually in the second half where the ball was displaced in Mifi and Josema dived into the tackling set of stalling and waiting for backup and Nyaki had a chance. Luckily, he was not able to make the most of it and same for the chance in which Villaribe had. I think Say a fair a draw was a fair result. But tactically there were some positives and there were some negative because Lodi's having that opportunity was something which Carrasco should have had and made the most of it, but he was on the bench because of so many fixtures and rotations. And in the second half, Colombia getting injured, we don't have the player to switch play to create those one v one situations and white. So technically they were positive and negative, but as compared to the Porto game, we improved in the Athletic Club game. And like you said, uh, the improvement was, uh, you know, 
mainly because of the Yorente Trippier connection. Uh, like you said, uh, Yorente couldn't make the, mo the most of it with the uh, you know poor crosses. But another positive from the game was Rodrigo de Paul's. I mean, he's growing more into the team, and he's just an amazing such an amazing player uh, he's an, a player atletico have lacked for so long uh, i think the the most uh, similar player uh, atletico have had in you know at any time uh, probably is tiago and uh, you know we haven't really had you know that that kind of player since have we yeah i think since tiago's departure we have missed that type of midfielder who offers that dynamism. I think we talked about it in the first podcast about him bringing a different dimension to the team. Well, he's very good defensively, wins duels, recovers the ball, and his offensive impact. We posted the stat on the Papot account about his influence in that game. He was first for progressive carries, progressive passes, pa passes into the final third, passes under pressure. I mean, overall, it was a very good performance from him. And having someone like that is very great, is great for the team, given he's not only flexible, but no matter the position in which he plays in midfield, he still has the impact on the final third, be it in a deep line playmaker role or even further up the pitch or interior midfielder, no matter the role he has in the pitch, I think he's able to still impact the final third. So having someone like him is great. When you talk about Thiago, but I really think having the ball gave me, like, I think since Ada to run left, we really miss somebody who created that bit of magic for us in the final test. So having the ball gives me that Ada to run feeling in the final test. But overall, yeah, I think it's more very similar to Thiago. Now, uh, Atletico were growing more into the, uh, into the game. Uh, against athletic uh, as as the uh, as the game progressed and uh, in in the final uh, I think uh, it was the seventy fifth minute when Yorente uh, had a shot uh, from outside the box and uh, hit the post uh, but after that uh, their uh, you know their uh, momentum was very much uh, killed. Uh, by the Joao Felix uh, red card. Um, I mean, a lot has been said about it. And what what do you think? Uh, what should it have been a red card? Well, it's tough to say. I think. Well, I will say no because well, I don't really blame Gil Manzano. Dave. I'm not on that scenario because well, that is dissent telling him he's mad and you know all that things. My opinion, well, Joa was sent off, and in my opinion, he deserved it for descent. But about the about him giving an elbow or the rest, I think that is down to the rule. Well, some refuse play, like think a similar thing happened in the weekend with Hurricane and Kante, in which Hurricane held Kante's jersey, and Kante was in trying to break free. He mistakenly touches Hurricane's face, similar to how Joa touches Vencedor's face. But the referee wave play on because he knows Hurricane was the one who initiated the foul. So I don't understand how Gil Manzano was able to read that situation and give Felix a yellow card for that. It was amusing. Well, La Liga referees have been horrible, even though some have been improving, but we all know how shitty they are. 
And now we have Joao with two match bans, one for the red card and another for kicking the bottle. So you are pretty much next you are going to have players getting banned for even kicking, hitting their legs on the grass. So I don't really understand the, what is happening in La Liga in terms of officiating and also the management. It's really fun. Uh, so it is official. Uh, Felix will not be available uh, for the game against Alaves, uh, and he obviously did miss uh, the game against Hetafe. Uh, now, uh, about Felix, uh, I can't help but feel like he wouldn't have, you know, uh, talked to the referee in this way uh, if Koke was on the pitch. You know, Koke. Uh, probably would have, you know, stopped him before he uh, did anything, uh, you know, said anything uh, really uh, to the uh, to the referee. Uh, now, uh, I definitely do not agree uh, with the yellow card, as you said, and uh, even then, uh, it feels like uh, Hel Manzano should really have thicker skin. Uh, like he's uh, one of the uh, referees that. Uh, gives away cards uh, more, you know, very easily. Um, and uh, we, uh, one player Felix can learn that from is Luis Suarez. Uh, we, you can see Suarez uh, with some referees, he always uh, provokes them, he always running behind them and screaming at them. Uh, while uh, with referees like Helmanzano, he always avoids them and you know keeps distance, tries not to do anything rash with them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, Felix's reaction was kind of justified, uh, but with more experience, he's probably you know uh, gonna stop doing something like that. Uh, but uh, I have said it, uh, and you have said it as well. The red card was really comical, and uh, you know, uh, Lali Garefs being Lali Garefs, I guess. Uh, so moving on, uh, Atletico uh, in on in the midweek played against Hetafe. Uh, we have said that uh, the struggles against the Athletic Club were kind of justified since they're a very physical team. Uh, they were one of the most informed teams coming uh, into the game. Uh, having uh, you know a very impressive record in La Liga, and of course it's always tough to play uh, against uh, a Marcelino side. Uh, but uh, despite getting all three points, Atletico were very disappointing against Hetafe. Can you please give us your thoughts about the game? Uh, I think the Getafe game, Cholo looked to. For the team to continue with the same intensity, the same passing they showed in the first 15 minutes against Athletic Club, where you see the, the center backs taking risks, seeing pa passing lanes open that the space between two players, and they are able to give the pass, and they were not afraid to lose the ball in the defense. I think he wanted that, but it was difficult for Athletic to have that ball progression or maybe have the courage to do that with. Three of their best ball progressors out, not in the starting eleven. That's Koki, Hermoso, and Rodrigo Depot. So I really, really struggled in the build of phase. And even when they were able to advance up the pitch, they were so what I would say they were two two um, they were one dimensional. That means they focused so much on the right hand side. 
if you could have seen the heat map for the first half you see almost everything going in one direction and at times you have to see Carrasco leave the left hand side come to get involved in the play it's like we totally ignored the left hand side and I wouldn't really blame the players for that because even when we do send a ball to the left hand side you have Lodi with this I don't know how to say type of crosses I don't I'm really surprised he hasn't improved that in his game that is one of the weakest things that has been in his games ever since he arrived at Aliti and maybe I will get a maybe some fans not happy with me but I think that is something Manu excels at that offensive I think the decision making the final third the crossing those are things Manu is very good at and it is on display in Osasuna's wide rotations so Ignoring that left hand side was really make things easy for Getafe. But from that game, one thing I noticed was the fact that I think Cholo is trying to form pairs of threes out wide. That means creating triangles. It was a similar thing against Espanyol, in which on the left we had Lodi, Lema, and Carrasco. On the right we had Felix, Koke, and Lorente. I think it was the same thing with Correa, Trippier, and Lorente on the right, trying to create those triangles so that we can play the ball around the opposition but Getafe already knew that and they were prepared for it even when we were able to bypass <clears throat> Getafe's wingers I and mean, white players the delivery from Lorente wasn't the best like we said against Athletic Club and the movement in the box wasn't also great but thanks to a half chance that Suarez had he was able to have have I mean, Athletic's best chance in the first half and a mistake from Oblak. I think the mistakes we have we started with the center valves, and now we see that it is like a virus. It is now contaminating players, and we see Josema, Savi, Hermoso, Lodi. Almost everyone is making a mistake, and Oblak even makes one. I think that was his first mistake since he made against Real Sociedad, in which he was playing with an injury. So no problem, given that Suarez had to save us in the second half. And Alenas, like Cholo said in his press conference, Getafe's goal in the first half was like a reality check for Aleti. That means it was like, we are not playing well and wow, these guys are ahead and they deserve it. And I think he also, also mentioned the fact that Aleti can't keep on playing like that in the first half. We can't play games like that in the first half because it is not every day we are going to have someone to bail us out. And thanks to Alena's stupidity, I don't understand why he would do something like that when Kunha possesses no threat at the moment and Getafe were down to 10 men. Aliti were able to create some chances. Soria's making, Soria making a double save. Suarez head down onto the post before he finally finally scored the, the equalizer and the winning goal in the 90, 90th minute. And that was all thanks to the entrance of Hermoso. I think we may be talking about Cholo not really getting the pieces together, but one thing he's very good at is making good use of Aleti's squad depth, bringing in players to change things and get results. At the moment, it is working, which we give him the praise for, but we don't know how much that will last because it seems at the moment Aleti are, are like waiting for the opponent. It's like Aleti are like a sleeping lion who waits for the deer to come and touch his tail before he starts following even though he is hungry. So I think Aleti need to show that hunger from minute one like he also said. And uh, the 
substitutions really did quite uh, uh, improve the team. Uh, first off, uh, like you said, Hermoso uh, was very useful and uh, he did assist uh, Suarez's first goal uh, with an, in an exceptional cross. Uh, Suarez was just onside and, uh, you know, a trademark Suarez finish uh, followed that. Uh, and uh, Versalico, well, it was a very hopeful cross uh, that Suarez was able to convert. Uh, it's quite nice to see Versalico back uh, in the starting lineup. And, uh, I mean, he definitely can be an option. Like, I, I definitely prefer uh, Versalico uh, playing instead of Llorente playing as a right, uh, right wing back. Uh, so that's uh, another positive uh, to take from the game. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, another player that changed the game significantly was uh, Rodrigo de Paul. Uh, now, I, it has to be said, Herrera had a very good performance uh, against uh, Getafe. Uh, his passes were on point. Uh, he did create uh, plenty of chances. Uh, but... Uh, I think it's absolutely essential uh, for either Lamar or DePaul to be playing. Uh, the team really struggles uh, to create chances without one of, one of these two. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, especially with Koke uh, not in the starting lineup, uh, Lamar or DePaul just must be in the, in the, in the midfield. Uh, yes, I agree with you on that. You have just talked about Herrera having a good game. I think Herrera was maybe a little bit... He's not the, he's not the most mobile player, meaning he couldn't help in Atleti's ball progression of the pitch. And I think we had a similar situation to how what we have against Espanyol in the first half, in which Getafe were able to bypass our counter-press, which wasn't good, and the use was Marcia. Marcia was able to drag a centre-back out of position, hold up the ball, and I felt like Savic and, and Josema were aggressive. They weren't tight on him. So, even though they were able to be behind him, they were, they were not aggressive and not enough, and he was able to play passes into space and launch the face attack. We really struggled in that first half dealing with him. And that was because Herrera was left alone in the middle of the park with Lorente making forward runs. And you talk about liking... Vashaliko over Lorente at the right back position. To be honest, we all know Lorente is very effective when he makes four runs from midfield. But I think no matter the system Cholo has used, he has always made sure that Lorente still has that opportunity to make those runs. I think we saw that against Espanyol, but we have not been seeing it in the current system he's using. So I'll be honest, and I think I may be the only one on this. I don't mind Lorente playing a right back. Given that the system C optimizes his ability to make those four runs into the interior channel, that is in between the center back and the full back. I think it is the same thing Enrique tries to do for Spain, and it is the same thing Cholo has been trying to copy, even though he has not found success. Because at the moment, it looks like we will have to sacrifice one thing or the or another to have that balance. It is either we have the players of last season keep on going like we did against Villarreal in the first half. Or we try to incorporate the new guys and we sacrifice one of the things which were brilliant last season. As for the team, I think Paul Olema, those two, one of them has to be on the pitch because they are like 
the spark of the team. That means when the light is about to go off, they are the ones that make it to come back on. So having one of those players on the team is very essential going forward. And with Lemar out injured, that means Depot has to play. But I think Chube is trying to manage him because of the fact that the international games are coming and he doesn't have, have a lot of rest. So that is really detrimental, det- detrimental to the team, especially with Koki also having doses, arriving at the period where he has doses, minimal injuries, which, which keeps him out of the team. Okay, uh, now you, we have talked about, you have talked about uh, Lodi, uh, you know, struggles with, with crossing. Uh, now, it's kind of concerning at this point that uh, I, I don't think he has improved much uh, since he was signed. Uh, this is not only uh, about his crossing, but even his defending in general. Uh, it feels like while he was improving in his first season, uh in did last season uh he, he had very limited game time uh, with Carrasco playing against him uh, did that disrupt his uh, progression so much like do you think he would uh let's say uh, i i know it's very early in the season and uh, he's not one of the he, he's not the only guy who's still struggling uh but uh I don't know. Uh, if he continues like that, would a, a lone move uh, be, uh, uh, let's say, let, would it help him uh, with his progression or do you think he uh, should be uh, trusted uh, some more by Cholo? Um, to be honest, it is really difficult to tell what has made Lodi to stagnate. Well, it is easy to say game time and there are many other reasons you can come, come up with. I think he needs to be he needs to be coached i think that is something that maybe he does it personally but i think maybe it's an area in which in my opinion cholo can maybe access and try to coach it so in him not being stagnated i think maybe down to game time and in my opinion cholo has shown a little bit of trust in him in starting games that is rotating so i would love to see more of that and also if he can be practicing those crosses in training i think he's going to improve. As for a loan deal, I'm not really a fan of because a loan deal means we have to bring someone in in his place. And we have Manu Sanchez out. Because in my opinion, I see Manu as the future of the left-back position at the moment. Unless Lodi can fulfill his potential because his off-the-ball runs are really great and causes a lot of danger. But that decision-making and final pass is what is destroying him at the moment. Okay. Um... Now, uh, we have talked about, uh, you know, the continued uh, midfield struggles uh, in both games. Uh, now, Koke returns to the uh, squad uh, against Alaves. Uh, while it's still not certain if he will start since, uh, you know, he just returned from his injury. Uh, but do you think his return to the team would solve that those midfield issues or uh, is it... Uh, a deeper problem than that? Well, I think Alexis' issues are not really midfield issues. They are deeper than that, which is structural issues. Issues that is Cholo trying to have the right setup, find the balance. At the moment, what he's trying to do in creating superiorities out wide is leaving the team exposed to counter-attacks. So him coming back to the team is positive because you have a leader back, you have leadership and him raising the team morale. 
But I think Alitis issues are more than midfield issues. But him coming back to the team is really great for the team. And him having minutes against Alaves in preparation for the Milan game is will be very great. Okay. Uh, now, another thing, uh, another arg- argument that uh, we have heard uh, is uh, since Suarez, uh, you know, doesn't have the legs to run anymore, uh, do you think uh, it would be wise uh, to have him as a super sub? Uh, like he would be subbed on in, say, the 60th minute and uh, when the team is uh, looking for goals uh, instead of uh, having him, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's tough uh, to uh, have build-up play uh, with Suarez since he struggles so much uh, with these runs. Uh, so what do you think of this argument, uh, Emmanuel? Well, before we before we started recording, I think I had been checking some Suarez, Suarez's stats and they are really brilliant. I think when, Cholo, when Suarez came to the team, Cholo talked about the fact that Suarez coming to the team means Aleti has to play higher up the pitch and closer to the goal. We saw that against Getafe, which was the reason why he was able to give us two goals. And also talk about him being that he may not be the player he was maybe four or five years ago, but when he comes to the box, he's still amongst the best. So it's difficult having Suarez as a super sub because even when you take him off the pitch, he gets angry. I'm not saying he's a bad thing, but because he's not happy. Like Cholo said, that some many other coaches would have taken Suarez out of the Getafe game because he was really his performance was poor. But what happened? He won us the game. So it is a difficult decision to make. But given Suarez is getting towards the end of his career, that role might suit him. Might suit him because I checking his statistics, he has five hundred and six career goals in eight hundred and three. In in he has five hundred and six career goals in which three hundred and three of those five hundred and six career goals have come. In the second half, and that is about 60% of his goals in his career coming in the second half. That means he really does well in the second half of game. And Cholo talked last season about the Suarez zone. And I just took the statistics from Mundo Deportivo's article on all the minutes in which Suarez has scored. Because that's an outstanding stat. Suarez has scored in every single minute of football he has played. That's from minute 1 to 97. So that is really brilliant. And checking that, I discovered that 119 of his 506 goals have come from minus 75 upwards. That means 25.5% of his goals are coming towards the ending of games. And we know what happens at the end of games. You have tired legs on defenders. You have loose in concentration. So, to be honest, he starts appointing to someone who will be very well or fantastic as a super sub. But well, it is difficult to keep him as a super sub. And also adding to the statistics, you see that he has scored 14 goals in the in the 82nd minute and 12 in the 90 minute. That further proves that having him as a super sub benefits the team because he comes when players are tired, there's laps in concentration, and they are which results in many other things, like his goal again, his second his winner for Getafe. It was on the same shoulder line with the defender, and all of a sudden he's behind him, with that extra space and has a free header. So those are things that happen and the stats are pointing to him towards him being a super sub. And his involvement in the game isn't really great. So I I wouldn't mind seeing him as a super sub, but having him as a super sub, I don't know if he will be happy with that. But he starts point that he is going to be an excellent super sub. Maybe better than Angel was for Getafe two seasons ago. Okay. Uh, 
personally, I don't really agree with it. Uh, while your argument uh, is, you know, very excellent, uh, but at the same time, uh, Atletico don't really have any other center forward. Like, uh, they don't have any other pure uh, number nine. Uh, they were pushing for uh, uh, Vlahovic in, in the summer, but uh, we all know that, how that ended. Uh, signing Cunha, uh, while he ha has been performing well, uh, he's simply just not uh, a number nine. So, uh, And uh, another thing uh, is, uh, you know Suarez, whenever a chance uh, comes up, he will finish it. Uh, like, he's definitely uh, one, one of the best finishers uh, still uh, in the world. Uh, and... Uh, not not having him on the pitch for most most of the game uh i mean y you know a chance could come at any moment and uh, uh he's definitely the the player uh, you you trust the most uh, out of the attackers to finish those chances so uh unless uh, griezmann or cunha or even correa uh, steps up and uh, starts bagging them in uh, I, I'm not in favor of benching Suarez, uh, no matter, uh, even though, uh, you know, his uh, uh, build-up play ha has been very poor so far, but, uh, I mean, uh, it kind of was like that uh, at the start of last season, and, uh, you know, he definitely improved that a lot uh, by the end of it, so uh, we'll see how that progresses uh, as the season moves, uh, goes on. Um, now, uh, Atletico play uh, on Saturday uh, against Alaves. Uh, we saw Condogbia is back in the squad. Uh, we said Koke is back in the squad. Uh, Felix will miss the trip uh, uh, since uh, 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 the Spanish FA did not uh, accept the uh, appeal, uh, as well as uh, the uh, TAD, uh, they also rejected Atletico's appeal, uh, and Lamar is still injured. Uh, can you please give us a quick preview about the uh, game against Alaves, who have lost every single La Liga game so far? Well, Atletico could be the <laughs> could be Atletico's win against Alaves could result maybe in Kalija losing his job. Well, Alaves have been really struggling. Which is, in my opinion, surprising. Well, I would say surprising because the team kind of adapted to how Kaleja wanted them to play for proof or survivor. So I don't understand why he comes this season and he changes, trying to change that. Well, he brought in, I think, nine to 11 new players and he's trying to maybe change the way they play, be, have more, be more courageous on the ball and take the game to the opposition, which hasn't been working well for them. So, it's going, I don't think it's going to be an easy game, despite the fact that they have lost five games in a row. Nothing comes easy for Aliti. But depending on how Aliti plays, it might determine how the goal go because they are low on confidence and we are playing away from home. We can use the crowd to our advantage. That is making them not to play well, forcing them back. And obviously, we have to be wary of usually because we struggled to contain Marcia in the first half against Getafe and usually is somehow of a similar profile very dangerous aerially very good aerially his movements are great then he's also very
energetic and run at the defense for so long. So it's going to be a very, in my opinion, tough game for Aliti, despite the fact that Aliti has a very good squad. Like we said before, Aliti has it trying to put the pieces together and playing against a team like Etafi, who are, so, excuse me, a team like Alaves, who are hungry and need that first points, not even win a point on the on the board. It's not going to be easy for Aliti. If Cholo gets things right and we play like we did against Aliti Club in the first 30 minutes or against Villarreal in the first half, that would be very good for us. Because one of the positives of the Aliti Club game was that we were able to play a higher line despite playing against Iñaki Williams, which I found to be very encouraging. That means we are able to pin the opposition in their own half like we did against Getafe when we were down to 10 men and create some chances. So it's not going to be an easy game and we have to be wary of the threat Alaves will possess on the counter attacks, especially using Yusilu as a reference point for continuing the attack or maybe to launch the attack or advance higher up the pitch. So we have to be cautious and I will not want to see a midfield duel of us having Lorente and be it Koki, be it Rodrigo De Paul or even Condombia. No. Well, Condombia against with him may go, but I don't want that because we keep on seeing Lorente advancing and allowing space in the midfield. So much defensive work for the other partner. So that is something I would not like to see. At the moment, Cholo will have to tweak things a bit. I know there will be rotation given we play the midweek game. So it's not going to be an easy game against Alaves, despite the fact that they are low on confidence. Uh, moving on. Uh... We uh, will answer uh, some of the questions that have been uh, sent for us. Uh, starting with uh, a question from Bert. Uh, what uh, would be your ideal uh, five-a-side uh, team made up entirely of current athletic players? Well, that's a tough question to answer. Well, I told him it's easy, but I think I will go for more players who are fluid and flexible on the so I go for Oblak, I go for Hermoso. Well, I go for the dynamism of Koke, and I go for Felix, and I add Korea. All right. Um, for me, uh, three of the five are very obvious, uh, and those are Oblak, Koke, and Suarez. Uh, the other two are kind of tough to decide. Uh, between uh, Josema and Savage. Um, I'll probably say Josema, uh, despite the fact that Savage was better last season. Uh, I think uh, Josema has started uh, this season better. Uh, and the fifth player, uh, it's also tough to decide between Llorente and Rodrigo de Paul. Um, I'm probably going to say the poll. Uh, his ball pro progression is probably one of the best I've ever seen, and uh, I, I really want to see more of him. Uh, I want to see him starting some more. Um, we have a question from Bryant. Uh, which current uh, team heavyweights uh, are you currently ready uh, to bench for their backup? Uh, Emmanuel, what do you think? Well... That's a tough question also. It depends on what he means by heavyweight because at the moment, I think the only players who have their position secured as regular starters, in my opinion, we have Oblak, we have Savage and, G and Josema. 
As for Suarez, or oh, with Koke too, I think. But his position has been under a little bit of scrutiny or maybe treating at the moment, giving the flexibility in the lineup to the ones who use it. But I think there are only three players, three or four players in the team who have secure position. As for the rest, depending on the system we play, we keep on changing. So it's really a tough one to answer. Between your end, uh, he has uh, said uh, between, let's say, uh, are you in favor, for example, of benching Llorente to start uh, Rodrigo de Paul? Uh, what, what do you think? Well, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the way things are going this season, either we continue last season and maybe slow down the integration of the new players or we integrate new players and we'll lose something from last season. Bring in the ball, give us that those passes in behind and, and depending on Griezmann or Korea, we have players who can run in behind, but we will miss the check of Laurentiis' run. So maybe what I would say is it will be difficult to choose between the Paul and like we talk about one of them have to be on the pitch. It will be between the Paul and the Maral and maybe the Paul and Lorente. Because I see the Paul's um, progressive passes or diagonals or breaking the line passes. I see those passes and you see Lorente as a runner. Somebody is willing to stretch the position back line with his runs. So you combine those two and you have a route to goal. That means we have seen the TPL Lorente connection, and I think we can see the Paul Lorente connection. So it is not one of them, in my opinion, it is both of them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. They're definitely uh, complementary players, uh, rather than uh, once you can replace, uh, uh, you can replace one with the other. Um, so yeah, it's a, a very tough one. But uh, uh, let's say if Lamar is back. Uh, if Koke is available and the uh, other slot that is left uh, is between Depaul and Llorente, uh, let's say uh, with... Uh, I, I think it's it'll, it'll be chosen based on form and based on current form, uh, Depaul, I think he definitely deserves to start. Uh, Llorente uh, hasn't been... Uh, you know, ha- hasn't had his best form in the last few games. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think I would go for DePaul currently. Wow. Well, like, I'm somebody who is not tactical expert, but I just think if I have to come down to one of them, Olema being the team, well, it is difficult to leave Lorente out because, to be honest, apart from, say, Lodi, I don't see somebody who possesses those threats. The other players have ball to fit players, players who want the ball to fit. For example, I think the runners we have in the team, we have just Lodi, Griezmann, and Lorente. Those are players who are willing to run without the ball. But as for the rest, you want they are attracted to the ball. We know Korea is making runs recently, which is great. But he's not really that type of a player. So it is my opinion, it is so difficult to choose between one. But depending on the system, one will have to go. For example, if Lema is on the pitch, I prefer to have Lorente than the ball. To be honest. Okay. Uh, moving on, uh, we have a question from Baco, um, and you know, special thanks to Baco. He's uh, uh, always a great support for for us. Um, now, how much do you rate Nelson Vivas? Uh, what uh, uh, 
what do you make of him as Cholo's assistant and how big uh, does he impact uh, the squad? Um, now, uh, Vivas is, uh, has worked uh, with Simeone for a very long time. Uh, he was his assistant uh, at uh, Estudiantes at River Plate and uh, at San Lorenzo, uh, they, uh, you know, uh, so they, you know, had worked together for quite a while. Uh, but after that, uh, when uh, Simeone uh, joined uh, Atletico uh, with uh, obviously uh, Monoborgos as uh, his assistant, uh, during that period, uh, Vivas became, uh, you know, the uh, became the manager. Uh, of uh, Estudiantes and his results with them uh, were exceptional. Uh, in 2017, he uh, finished third with them uh, and uh, he had the same amount of points as River Plate, uh, but despite, uh, you know, Estudiantes having, uh, you know, a, let's say a worse squad than River Plate and uh, um, uh, he qualified to the Copa Libertadores uh, group stage and was chosen uh, the uh, Argentina Manager of the Year uh, in 2017. Uh, so uh, he was a very great manager and uh, it was kind of surprising that he chose, uh, that he accepted uh, to return to being uh, Simeone's assistant uh, rather than continue as the main manager of some other uh, club. But uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, a, a great uh, a tactical mind. Uh, he knows Simeone well, and uh, I'm sure he's uh, a great uh, presence in the dressing room. So uh, while we're not very sure uh, what uh, he does behind the scenes and what he has changed uh, with the tactics, uh, uh, we have heard uh, suggestions that uh, he was uh, one of the reasons behind uh, behind Simeone's more offensive approach uh, last season. Uh, but, uh, you know, those things aren't very clear, so uh, we're not very sure about them. Uh, but Vivas definitely is uh, an, an exceptional manager and, uh, you know, a, a brilliant uh, uh, complementary to Simeone. Well, I think you have said everything they used to say about Nelson Vivas, about him complimenting, complimenting Cholo. And I think each time I think you see Cholo looks at the game and maybe before a substitution or maybe before he changes the system, you see him asking Vivas his opinion or Vivas coming and telling him what he has seen that is not going. And we have seen Cholo talking about fluidity, intensity, and creativity. Well, those are things which are maybe coming out so much this time, maybe because of Nelson Rivers being in the team and the rest. But there's always talk of intensity and the rest. We're talking of being fluid in attack, move the ball faster, where we have always had moving the ball faster in transition, but now moving the ball faster to move opponents around. Whether that's something new, well, I think Nelson Rivers may be behind that, but like you said, we don't know for sure. Great. Uh, so those are all the questions we received. Uh, thank you for everyone that uh, asked them. And... Uh, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, thank you so much, Emmanuel. Uh, it's always fun talking with you all. At the start of the podcast, I wasn't really feeling great, but talking about Aliti with you has well changed my mood and I'm smiling now. 
uh, always great to help and uh, thank you for listening uh, see you next Ah! Uh-huh.